Blog Talk Radio. This is LeVon Grealish. Thank you for joining us on the broadcast tonight. It is our closing message of the year, Continuation Part 2, of Altering the Course. Altering the Course. Tonight I'm going to deal a little bit with it, and I'm going to really talk about answering the call on our first broadcast of the new year tomorrow. We're going to pray in the new year tonight, so I'm going to get right into the lessons. Let's pray. And uh, I'll do a little bit of a review, and then we'll get into the new information. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you for this day. Knowing that this is the day that you have made, we rejoice in the glad. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you on spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit as educator and guide to give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint your people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And Father, I thank you for the thing that shall be accomplished and shall be healed. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now, there's a teaching out there that we're going to release very soon called Faith Editions, and it's a one-part teaching. And I believe we'll do that sometime in January, but I want you to get, I want you to remember that there are seven habits to a highly effective believer. They are virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. And virtue is moral excellence, knowledge is revelation knowledge, which is truth applied to us from God. And there's temperance, which is self-control, patience, which is surpassing peace. Goodness, or godliness, rather, which is Christ-like character. And then there's love and kindness, compassion for others. And then there's charity, which is a godly love. And these traits are what God expects, expects of us to exist in as believers. We have to be able to alter our cores in life, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this um, today. Remember, also, that God is expecting us to grow. He is expecting us to grow uh, religiously or, or or relationally with the Holy Spirit without religiosity. He is expecting us to grow in following uh, the people that he is assigned in our lives to follow those who through faith and patience inherit the problem. And then he's expecting us to grow with a clear knowledge of our predestinated path. For those whom he did before knew, he predestinated to be conformed to the will of God. So our hope is in God, our faith is to believe, and our love is for us. And we have to always approach things from a place of sincerity, with an awareness of Scripture and specified times, a lot of time in the secret place for clarity, and always resolve to be spiritually led. Now, we've been talking about belief. So I want to reawaken my attention for us to examine belief. We discussed Mark chapter 9, the passage dealing with the disciples, dealing with the deaf and dumb spirit which Jesus had to come and clear up. 
and how Jesus gave five things that took place there, and that was that in the in the commentary of Mark chapter nine, verses fourteen, we say that there was there was first of all a potential for establishing strong belief, and it forces things in the aspects of our life, which is the force of finding faith and the force of finding foundations in life and the finding of fortitude. Then we went into five sections of the passage of Mark chapter 9, verse 14 to 29, which we can grasp and gather uh, insights about what God is doing with today. The, 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 the father of the son who had the deaf and dumb spirit knew that if he came, he cried unto the Lord to have mercy. But what he said was quite profound, and I believe it's an insight in which we can develop and enhance and establish success in the coming year. And that is to acknowledge that, yes, Lord, we believe, but help with my unbelief. We have to really honestly acknowledge the challenges that we face. I know that this year, or the previous year, 2014, which we're leaving out of in a few there have been some challenges. Some things brought to our attention. Some things that almost shook our very foundations, our very cores. But when we learn to acknowledge them, acknowledge, trust the Lord with all our heart, and lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways, acknowledge Him. He will not wake up And so I believe that the Lord is challenging us today to acknowledge. And first thing we said, the disciples had a dilemma. Verses 1 through 19, they missed opportunities. They, 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 they uh, made no attempts to connect to the prophetic utterances of the past and made mistakes in association with the Lord. Talked about that that they missed out on lessons and they, they need to learn not to miss the moments of divine encounters and mistake not the power of being anointed. Then we talked about how the, the second thing that we learned is that they had distortions of the faithless church. That Jesus was saying this is not only a problem with the disciples, but it's a problem with the with the whole entire people that are possessed with faith. That have the potential to operate in faith. And that it was a broader perspective, it was a broader audience, and we dealt with that in a very detailed manner. So that we concluded also that, that Jesus dissolved the dilemma, and in dissolving the dilemma, he provoked the disciples to deep, and then he revealed the power of advancing through prayer. So we see a lot taking place. I made a very important statement briefly in, in going through the information very quickly. I said that um, I said that in order for you to deal with unbelief, you must have a definition of what it really means to believe. And, and the definition that I gave for us as a launching pad was that beliefs are what we are awakened to to understand and comprehend things that are the strongest truth that are undeniable either by exposure, experience, or enlightenment. God reveals himself for us to experience things in greater ways. And that was the um, uh, confidence that God had in this, in this young man who had a child. 
And I like the, 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 the scenario behind the text in the scripture, that this was not some parable that Jesus was trying to teach to provoke his disciples to understand what they needed to do, but this was real-life encounters that they were not prepared for. And I think there's going to be a great revealing of of where where you really stand with God in the path of life. And and some things, like like what we learned, if if we had any good job, they would say some things are caught by on-the-job training. Academics won't help you. Assistance by others won't help you. Being associated in the right community will help you excel. You're going to have to access this body experience. Now, to get the most out of the experience and to get God to move and to be involved, you must acknowledge the challenge. Because God is an all holy God that cannot look on sin. And the way to eradicate sin is to bring superiority to the truth. That makes us free. If we continue in his words, and we are his disciples in these, we will know the truth, and the truth that we know will make us free. The fact that the disciples were called disciples means they were given a certain amount of expectation and exposure to the supernatural so they could be held accountable to exist and experience supernatural encounters. Jesus did not have them walking around clueless and uninformed of how to operate with the devils of their day. He gave them power over all scorpions and snakes and and the ability to overcome all the power of the enemy. He possessed it when he fasted and prayed, and likewise they were expected to possess it when they fasted and prayed. And the answer that he left them with in verse uh, 29 was these things come out through fasting and prayer. Which lets me know that until we bring emphasis to those uh, to those those elements of, of in-depth prayer, that prayer there is connotes supplication if you look in the Greek context. And that fasting is a deep-seated sacrificial attempt to focus in on the directness of God until you see the power of God is Unbelief is the absence of faith through skepticism, especially in life and matters. This stems from incredulity, which is feeling that you don't or you do not or cannot accept something as true even though you see it in reality. Monopolis is what pertains to faith. It is absolutely vital to experience fullness of life. And this is a rude awakening to the belief, to the to the, the call of believer, when their belief becomes a life force. And this is what we talk about, altering the course. Altering the course. When I was studying belief, uh, I've been studying belief for about two years because in talking to people, and relating with people and, and, and expressing things about scriptures, I learned that people don't believe <laughs> in things. Even Christians, even preachers, when they're preaching, they tell a lot about what they believe, about what they say. 
So how do we alter the cores? Well, one, we've got to figure out where the cores came from. And this requires another type of dialogue that the church is neglecting in the faith development process. Well, people that exist and exploits a faith without examining to see whether they are in the faith. The scripture says also that the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? Can you find God? Those who seek him find him. Are they seeking? If they're seeking, they're finding. If they're not, they're not seeking. If they're not finding, they're not seeking. And these are the things that we as believers have to examine and to evoke, if you will, when we deal with those alternatives in life that we tend to embrace and accept that may not always be God. Now, I got to roll from this point because we got to bring into the new year. And I, I need about five minutes in order to do that. So let's go deeper in this discussion. Whatever we talk about belief, we can't just academically pull and dissect scriptures. You know, we just go to them and go to the concordance and look up belief, belief, believing, believe. Find the scriptures of where it was said and get some type of contextual understanding of the usage of the word, but it doesn't define how you are to approach belief. Sometimes we have we have so much confidence in people being cognitively developed that we don't see the very uh, catastrophes of competence in constructing faith. This for the preachers. So you assume that when you tell people to believe, they know to believe and how to believe. And that's not always the case. And even when you're dialoguing and witnessing with people, if you're not a minister, you can mistakenly approach things wrong by, by just automatically assuming that people get what you say when you talk about things. That's not always the case. So, our beliefs are personally shaped by parental realities, previous knowledge accepted, precepts that govern um, our conviction, pattern behaviors, and personality comforts called passions. And if there are distortions in those processes, then there are distortions in our beliefs. That's why we go to God and we ask him to renew our mind, to allow this mind to be in us, which was also in Christ, because we know in and of our own selves, in our, in our own contexts, we cannot believe as he would expect us to believe. And we must learn how to believe in order to alter the course. See, Jesus did not immediately, if you look in Mark chapter 9, Jesus did not immediately rebuke the situation. He found out what encounters and what experiences this this young man had with other people that attempted to deal with his demonic activity. He also found out how long the the individual was experiencing 
experiencing these phenomena that were not from God. But he also expressed in the company of them all the state of why things didn't work. Because his intent in all of these was to communicate to all these audiences that was in that scenario things that can alter the course. I like that Jesus openly rebuked the disciples in the presence of the skeptics. He didn't wait to pull them aside and rebuke them. He rebuked them right in front of the situation, letting them know that you should have been able to handle this, and these people should have expected that if they came in contact with you, you could fix it. Why? Because the next encounter that they would have, he would have to go back to them and tell them, Remember what I told you last time? See, now, the Bible says, open rebuke is better than secret law. Because sometimes in correcting something openly, exposing it openly, will eliminate other scars and other situations from reoccurring and resurfacing if you just let it all out. Alterations are not always comfortable. Take a man of us to change our perspective. Belief breakdowns are occur from five main sources and south functions. Ruin role modeling, role modeling, psychological development. These are things that you need to know. Religious deception, rebellion toward the truth, rejected knowledge and religious spirits, I'll say that again, that breakdowns in beliefs come from ruin role modeling, religious deception, rebellion toward the truth, rejected knowledge and religious spirits. Right? And, and this happens because there are uh, there are things living outside of our spirituality that are very much so defining our lifestyle. There are limits in the esteem to encounter the supernatural. Or there are living distractions that often demonically influence. And those all those areas need to be dealt with. Let me give you five clear signs of unbelief. Because again, like I said, if you don't know what belief is, you won't know what unbelief is. And we said that unbelief is is the absence of faith through the skepticism especially in life matters. And this stems from incredulity. Incredulity, which means feeling that you do not or cannot accept something as true, even though it is in reality. And one of the things that caused the alteration was the depiction that the young man gave Jesus, the father. Father let Jesus know this boy been falling at the mouth Falling in fires and waters and almost drowning. God is getting him out, even though he wasn't delivered by your disciples. 
These are all the things I brought up to your disciples that didn't work. He's been dealing with this since he was a child. And this is something when you're acknowledging challenges because believers think because in order to exist in faith, they have to deny reality. You don't have to deny reality. You just have to deny the right for it to overcome what you know God has said about a situation. But you don't deny reality in order to exist in divine faith. That's not faith at all. Faith without works is dead. God reveals faith through our works. So that with our acts of compassion and our compliance to his voice and our thinking and character that comes from the fruit of the Spirit, people will know that we are led by God and we are seeking to please God. And this understanding, through understanding how he works, through his words, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by his voice, the word of God. Through understanding and, and, and taking in all of this, we can alter the course of the issues, the issues that are taking place. And whenever you get to the poor core, you got to unplug every layer. You got to rip every layer, piece by piece. How did we get here in the first place? You see? And many people, they try to go into a new reality, a new future, without exposing and altering cores that have crept in from ambition over the anointing. See, in this passage we see that there was emotional states expressed. There were external effects attempted from his disciples. There were esteem issues emotional setback. There were erroneous concepts that had to be exposed. There were embedded behaviors that had to be revealed so Jesus could know how to address the situation specifically for that young man. So that way he could put a halt to the enemies of the progress and the productivity that kept this, this spirit from entering into this child over and over The Lord wants to do that for us in our state, our spiritual state for 2015. He doesn't want us to go another day without him altering the pores in our life. That's what I'm trying to get to the believers today. That if we're going to advance spiritually, we're going to progress in the things of God. We're going to have to take our spirituality a lot more serious. Let's pray into the new year. The hour is late, Father, but time keeps pressing on and our soul still says yes. The hour is far spent. And in these last moments of 2014, let us not forget all those life lessons you've taught us, those failures and those fortunes that we found, those finalities, those final 
those final challenges that we've overcome and those things that we're still overcoming. The state of our faith, Father, we see. It's been an interesting experience. Father, I thank you that everyone under the sound of my voice would feel the the burnings in their soul. The wheel in the middle of the wheel of life that you're turning this year for change to come every round, every round. Father, as we approach another year, let change come. Let your grace come. Let your glory come. I thank you, Lord, that through the numbers of our days in this year, we will grow closer, closer to you. Hallelujah. That we will learn more about you so we can confidently stand as children of God. You go so Father, I thank you, Lord, that in the coming days when you're going to do things all by yourself, independent of our convictions and our opinions, Father, we thank you, Lord, that in that shadow of your presence, we will find the shelter needed. When the time comes, we can speak as the oracles of God, saying, the Lord will save. The Lord will set us free. God, I pray that these next moments in our lives will be some of the most fun phenomenal experiences we have ever encountered as Christians. I pray that as we lift our eyes into a new year, that we will go in the glory of your changes. That we will see more like you see and have a resolve to say exactly what you say. Father, we praise you for the things that we've learned about last year. Father, we are assured. We are assured that in the next few moments, a new day will awaken in our souls and in our reality that changes us from glory to glory and from faith to faith. Father, let the borders of our existence be expanded in experiencing exploits of the supernatural that liberates us into your very own nature this year. Let the encounters with you be so expansive and illuminated 
Year's Eve or New Year's Day on the first day of 2015. And we pray to you have a productive year. Thanks for listening to the broadcast tonight. I'm going to finish the series on on Thursday at 6.30 p.m., not 11.30, but 6.30 p.m., I'm going to finish the series challenging us to answer the call. Lord, help me in my unbelief. God bless you, and Happy New Year again. I know.